Chapter Five of Driven Back to Eden by Edward Payson Rowe. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by David Gore. Chapter Five: A Country Christmas in a City Flat. On Christmas morning, we all brought out our purchases and arranged them on a table. Merton was almost wild when he found a bright single-barreled gun with accoutrements standing in the corner. Even Mousie exclaimed with delight at the bright-colored papers of flower seeds on her plate. To Winnie were given a half-dozen china eggs with which to lure the prospective biddies to lay in nests easily reached, and she tried to cackle over them in absurd imitation. Little Bobsey had to have some toys and candy, but they all presented to his eyes the natural inmates of the barnyard, in the number of domestic animals he swallowed that day, he equaled the little boy in Hawthorne's story of The House of the Seven Gables, who devoured a gingerbread caravan of camels and elephants purchased at Miss Hepzibah Pynchon's shop. Our Christmas dinner consisted almost wholly of such vegetables as we proposed to raise in the coming summer. Never before were such connoisseurs of carrots, beets, onions, parsnips, and so on through almost the entire list of such winter stock as was to be obtained at our nearest green grocery. We celebrated the day by nearly a dozen dishes which the children aided my wife in preparing. Then I had Merton figure the cost of each, and we were surprised at the cheapness of much of country fare even when retailed in very small quantities. This brought up another phase of the problem. In many respects, I was like the children, having almost as much to learn as they, with the advantage, however, of being able to correct impressions by experience. In other words, I had more judgment. And while I should certainly make mistakes, not many of them would be absurd or often repeated. I was aware that most of the homely kitchen vegetables cost comparatively little, even though, having in our flat no good place for storage, we had found it better to buy what we needed from day to day. It was therefore certain that, at wholesale in the country, they would often be exceedingly cheap. This fact would work both ways. Little money would purchase much food of certain kinds, and if we produced these articles of food, they would bring us little money. I will pass briefly over the period that elapsed before it was time for us to depart, assured that the little people who are following this simple history are as eager to get away from the dusty city flat to the sunlight, breezy fields, brooks, and woods, as were the children in my story. It is enough to say that, during all my waking hours not devoted to business, I read, thought, and studied on the problem of supporting my family in the country. I haunted Washington Market in the gray dawn and learned from much inquiry what products found a ready and certain sale at some price, and what appeared to yield to the grower the best profits. There was much conflict of opinion, but I noted down and averaged the statements made to me. Many of the market men had hobbies, and told me how to make a fortune out of one or two articles. 
more gave careless random or ignorant answers but here and there was a plain honest sensible fellow who showed me from his books what plain honest sensible producers in the country were doing in a few weeks i dismissed finally the tendency to one blunder a novice hears or reads of an acre of cabbages or strawberries producing so much then he figures if one acre yields so much two acres will give twice as much and so on the experience of others showed me the utter folly of all this and i came to the conclusion that i could give my family shelter plain food pure air wholesome work and play in plenty and that not very soon could i provide much else with certainty i tried to stick closely to common sense and the humble circumstances of the vast majority living from the soil proved that there was in these pursuits no easy or speedy road to fortune therefore we must part reluctantly with every penny and let a dollar go for only the essentials to the modest success now accepted as all we could naturally expect we had explored the settled states and even the territories in fancy we had talked over nearly every industry from cotton and sugar-cane planting to a sheep ranch i encouraged all this for it was so much education out of school hours yet all even merton eventually agreed with me that we had better not go far away but seek a place near schools markets churches and well inside of civilization see here youngsters you forget the most important crop of all that i must cultivate i said one evening what is that they cried in chorus a crop of boys and girls you may think that my mind is chiefly on corn and potatoes not at all it is chiefly on you and for your sakes mamma and i decided to go to the country at last in reply to my inquiries and my answers to advertisements i received the following letter maysville new york march first eighty three robert durham esq dear sir i have a place that will suit you i think it can be bought at about the figure you name come to see it i shan't crack it up but want you to judge for yourself respectfully john jones i had been to see two or three places that had been cracked up so highly that my wife thought it better to close the bargain at once before some one else secured the prize and i had come back disgusted in each instance the soul of wit was in john jones's letter there was also a downright directness which hit the mark and i wrote that i would go to maysville in the course of the following week end of chapter five recording by david gore